to episode 36 of Wing Sauce, like, uh, Jesus, the Caden Falcher ep- episode. I, I don't really know who it, I, I tried to look up 36 boys. There really aren't any good ones. Caden Falcher is in our farm system right now. I think he's playing for Toledo. So, well, who's a good 30, who's a good 36 in, uh, and this will be uh, just a trivia question, like in the NHL. Matt Zuccarello. <laughs> There you go. I'm, I guess can be the I guess, Well, I, I really wanted to just keep it to uh, the keep Red it Wings. to Red Wings, yeah. But I can't remember like who else was thirty six. Doesn't come to mind. Anyway, Dustin, <laughs> no Connor, idea. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. Uh, just enjoying the beautiful weather. Except it was kind of cold the other day. Right now it's nice and warm. I'm hoping to get some projects done before it gets too cold with my gazebo, but we'll see. Connor, how you doing, bud? Ooh, a gazebo. I want to hear more about that. How, so you, you building it yourself or was it already there? I know you're, you're obviously no, in the new house. so It's already there. It just right now it currently has netting up or screens. So I'm wanting to put like in a slider and some windows so I can use it all season as opposed to just two, three months out of the year. Hold on. So we'll do, see. You, do you call it um... – a sliding glass door or a door wall? Well, a door wall and a sliding glass door are completely different. A door wall. False. Uh, I don't think so. Oh, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. I was thinking of a window wall. My yeah. bad. What, what do you call it, though? Sliding glass door or a door wall? Because I guess that's like it's a Michigan a sliding thing. door. A, yeah, I call it a sliding glass door. Yeah, I do too. I didn't even know that was a. Uh... There's a different option. I get made fun of every time I say it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll just go through your sliding glass door. Excuse me? You mean my door wall? No, no, no. Nope, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Mean I guess that. I just don't say I don't say it enough with uh, with people. I don't know, but I mean, can I can I let you guys know how I am? You guys both got to say how you were. So yeah, Justin asked how you were. I know, but I wanted to hear more about the gazebo. So and then he deflected. So like, don't don't the, don't act like yeah, no one asked. Feels bad for you, right. Connor. That's the last time I ask about your guys' lives. <laughs> so, so just remember you have this. Member um, the family. <laughs> yeah, so you have a new member. Yep, yep. So uh, I know that he's graced the uh, the Instagram eyes of our fans, um, but his name is Ali. And the new addition, he, he's a golden retriever. So he's got four legs, <laughs> not two. So people uh, take a step back. It's not, it's not a human baby. Uh, but yeah, no, he's a golden retriever, eight weeks old. Uh, very... I don't know. I guess he's he's playful and uh, sleepy. That's about it. But that's about all you can ask for when you get a golden retriever, right? I, so he's been. I good. think a lot of people were assuming that it wasn't a human baby because you you opened it up with, "Yeah, we got a golden retriever puppy." <laughs> well, I know, but when you, when you said it, I was like, "No, nah, a new addition to the family." For that split <laughs> second of that, people didn't hear me. <laughs> didn't want to, you know the the split second people reaching out to me saying, congrats. "Oh yeah." And then have to take it Anyone back. who's listening to this right now is like firing up the text, getting ready to tell Connor and Deb, oh, congrats on the kid. <laughs> yeah, they're already starting to write their letter to me. <laughs> well, I got to go throw that away. Um, <laughs> no, it's been good. I think the uh, – Dustin, you were just talking about how cold it was. And when we were uh, potty training, a, uh, I guess house training a dog and going outside at 3 in the morning. We're on like a very structured time schedule and going out at 3 in the morning, we're like, yep, okay, it's not even fall at 3 in the morning. It's like dead of winter. <laughs> so it is getting cold. It's getting cold quickly. But right now, I don't even know what the temperature is right now. It's like 70 degrees and uh, and beautiful. So I'm just enjoying the 
the last few nice days we have. Absolutely. Well, I, the final days of summer. Yep. Exactly. So sad. Mm-hmm. But I, I also wanted to address something. So Dustin messaged uh, us in the chat saying that I sound very echoey. I might sound echoey for the next couple of weeks because the uh, the podcast the the pod area upstairs is under construction. So apologize to anyone if this sounds awful. But uh, it is what it is. We're going to have to deal with it. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I appreciate you calling the elephant in the room, Tyler. That's, that's nice and telling us about it. So, I mean, uh, we can talk about hockey in, in just a sec, but uh, you said, yeah, it's fully under construction. It's the loft area upstairs. And you're, are you doing, you're doing it all yourself or are you contracting it out to somebody or what's the deal here? I know the carpet's completely Yep, I, I ripped up the carpet uh, last week. That was fun. Just chucking all that. I rolled it up and I chucked it out the, the window upstairs. That was so much fun. Um, nice. But, uh, but yeah, so we have someone coming in who is going to uh, carpet everything up. And then Olivia told me the only way that I was going to be able to keep my recording stuff up there is if I build a walk-in closet uh, where all my recording stuff can just stay in there. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do. Nice. That, that'll be good. It's, it's out of the way. And then you have a walk-in closet. So yeah, you're good to go. Yeah. But um, game one of the Stanley cup finals has, has already happened. And um, I wanted to talk to you boys about, about this, obviously get your thoughts on it. What do you so first of all let's give let's give our picks and then let's talk a little bit about game one and then we'll we'll leave it from there. Yeah, do you do you want to take it away? Or I mean I, I can start off with the pick. Sure. I'll just keep it um I'll, I'll just keep it really short and sweet and to the point. Um and I won't go into game one too much, but for the listeners, we've already seen game one, like you mentioned, but I'm still going Tampa. Uh I'm oh, going wow. I, I'm going Tampa in seven. Ditto. Um I think I'm doing the same. They're gonna they're going to grind it out. I think that Dallas is still going to play. I think Dallas played as well as they could have, and it showed on you know winning four to one. But I just think that Tampa's going to get past Kudobin and Dallas in um, six, man. We'll see. So there, there's your there's your yep. pick, Dustin. You just the Dallas in six. Any any specific reason you just like how they play or, or what? I just like how they're playing, man. They're buzzing. They I, I think I think Lightning's are kind of looking sloppy. People yeah. are comparing. I mean, I'm not really, time. People are yeah. comparing them to last year's Blues, which I, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a complete fair comparison. I mean, did anyone have them pegged to win the cup? Absolutely not. The fact that they're in this spot is amazing, and and they it's well deserved. They they didn't get. Well, you know what? In the playoffs, you have to get a little bit lucky, but that's not why they're there. They're not there because of luck. They're there because they busted their ass. And Jamie Ben, uh, who is this this uh, Kiviranta guy? Like he keeps scoring big goals in huge moments. Uh, like how can no one shut this guy down? Um, Seriously, just like spy that yeah. guy in any big moment. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I I still think that that Tampa is. Tampa usually takes a game or two to figure out uh, figure out the play of their opponent, right? Boston won game mm-hmm. one, and they took the next four. Um, so that's, that's the reason why I'm sticking with Tampa. And you know what? At this point, I, I, I wouldn't be upset if Dallas won. Like, I don't really have a dog in this race, obviously. But uh, right. whoever wins, it's going to be well-deserved. And I know this is such a – you know, oh, this guy's not really taking the side. It's it's kind of a Connor Lyons 
uh, view of, of everything where, you know, it's you a win-win. <laughs> but no, that's exactly what it is. It's like, I, I don't dislike any of these teams. There's a few teams in the NHL. And I think we talked about them on a different episode where, um, you know, like the Golden Knights, I feel like everybody likes them. Seattle, everybody's going to like them for a little while mm-hmm. at least. Um, Dallas and Tampa, those are a couple teams. It's not like it's, uh, you know, Chicago or Boston or some, some yeah. random team, like even Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'm happy with it. I, it's weird because it's it's a Florida team and a Texas team. <laughs> so it's not really like your your blue bloods. But then, hey, that's uh, hockey fans are going to watch. And, uh, and having fans in the South watch, it just me- means more eyes on, on hockey. So I think it's good. Good for the Absolutely. game. Absolutely. And uh, I'm not sure. Did you guys get a a chance to to watch the full game last night? Yeah. I I guess. So we're recording on Sunday. This episode is going to drop on Monday, the the 21st. But uh, but yeah, last night when I was watching, man, I just um, that first goal that Dallas scored. I think that that was a check from behind on Braden Point. That's just my opinion. I don't know how they didn't call it. Um, I thought so too. And the announce didn't, did you, he said it was a good hit. Yeah. I was like, I was Olchick that said that I was like, Olchick's been around the game for a while to know that if you see numbers, you should not complete that check. Especially in today's game. Like I get that because he kind of turned and um, like, I don't know, it was a fast play, but at the end of the day, I mean, the the rules are are pretty straightforward with checking from behind, you know? And, and I think that, that was a textbook check from behind, so I don't exactly know how it, that wasn't talked about more. I know I said. I mean, on, he, he could have given him a, at least but. a boarding for two minutes. I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. a five-minute boarding. You know, Braden Point didn't get hurt from it or anything. Um, no, and that's kind of why they have boarding, yeah. though. That's like the the main reason for the rule. It's like, okay, if there's something that's uh, that looks bad and it, it was from behind, but it doesn't, it's not worthy of a game or a five minute or anything like that. I mean, that's the perfect call to make yeah. for, and I think it would have been the right. And, call. and here's the thing: I'm not going to say that that play alone was the reason why Dallas won four to one. Obviously, there were there was so much to to unpack that Dallas just flat out outplayed Tampa in game one, hundred percent. I, I'm not going to take any anything away from Dallas. They were on fire the entire time, especially Hudobin. Holy shit! Like he's looking, he's looking like he, um, he's he's looking like he's been in the league for forever. <laughs> no, I know. And uh, what was another thing? I was watching the game, and I uh, I forget the timing. Maybe it was even in the second period or something. And I'm and bring this up because we're talking about goalies now, but the shots against or i guess shots forward depending on how you look at it i mean it was super lopsided wasn't it for like between the two i forget what it was it was like dallas only had like nine shots and, and the lightning had a bunch more i don't remember what it was but man the lightning they were they were still buzzing like and dallas was too they play we talked about this too they play a, a weird like new york islanders type of game where it's not like super pretty but they play kind of shut down and all the shots against aren't great shots they're kind of from the outside and and they take advantage of their opportunities in, in odd man rushes. So, um, they, yeah, I, I don't know. The goalies are uh, they're standing on their head. Uh, Hudobin is he, he's been on fire, and he has been all. He, I like watching him uh, in in the locker room after the games and everything like that. Uh, he, he's a he's a character. Yeah, absolutely. Dustin, any input on on this uh, on game one so far? What did you see yesterday? Nope, not really. Nope, no input. Oh, that's fun. Kind of just. Dallas shut down. <laughs> He's like, I don't know. Did you hear me? I said Dallas and six. 
<laughs> one down. Come back after game One six. down. Yeah. Um, yep. So I guess we should bring up. Uh, I guess we should bring up who we have on for for this week, uh, Connor. Since you were the one who actually you had your first intro, it was perfect. I'll I'll let you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about it. Joy Potato. Um, well, I won't talk too much. Like people can listen. He. Right now, he's currently the the play by play guy for the Saginaw Spirit. Um, he also uh, announced some games for the Michigan Warriors when I was on the team in uh, in the NA. And he also uh, he's been on a few different teams, or I guess announcing for a few different teams in the North American Hockey League. And uh, he talks about the start of his career back when he I, th- I think he was only eighteen when he started. Um, but then you know we had some pretty cool stories about some junior days, and then also meeting Paul Biznet and uh, getting his uh, kind of his take on that guy. And he's a complete character. So I think people will enjoy him. And then obviously last but not least, we talk about the draft a little bit, like him uh, calling games for Saginaw that with Cole Perfetti on the team. I mean, the guy is an animal uh, and he's, I guess, I don't even know where he falls. He's like right around that fourth pick in in the draft. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what the uh, the Red Wings do. And it was cool to get his input because he's got to see pretty much every game that Perfetti's been playing. Absolutely, and I I really do think you know people say that you know Eiserman's going to take Drysdale or uh, I think it's it's pretty much I wouldn't say a lock because again it's Eiserman. I don't think anything's a lock with him. But mm-hmm. Perfetti is probably a good he's he's a high percentage that if if he's available at four we'll we'll take him. Yeah, and I think he should. You can't really go wrong yeah. there. We talked about it too and people listen, but everybody knows there's there's a need everywhere. Uh, as long as you pick a good player, whether it's a <laughs> I don't care if it's goalie, D man or forward, just just take a good person. Oh yeah. <laughs> Please. Yeah. And and he also he he went back and, and told a couple stories about uh Connor's heyday in the null. So that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And let us know what you think of the intro too. Cause that was the first one I had, I had big shoes to follow after uh, Tyler's been doing all of them. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that was tough. <laughs> well, I, I think you still did, did pretty well with it. And uh, I, do you guys have anything else to bring up before we kick it over? Nope. All right. So You know what time it is. You done goofed. We now welcome on a very special guest. He is the current play-by-play announcer for the Saginaw Spirit. Although I knew him back when he called games for the Michigan Warriors in the NAHL. Now, while I wasn't on the stat sheet enough for you to be saying my name too often, I am very pleased to be saying your name. As we welcome on Joey Patano. To the Wing Sauce Podcast. How are you doing? What's been going on? <laughs> that was that was a really good intro, Connor. Well, I've been practicing it all day long. So. <laughs> Great to be talking with you guys. Uh, thanks for having me, and uh, really a pleasure to to discuss what's going on with the Wings here coming up. Oh yeah. Well, hey, glad you're on. You, you obviously know hockey a ton. Been around the game forever. Uh, what, what's been new? How you been uh, keeping yourself busy? Well, you know, I mean, obviously with, with coronavirus and all that stuff, we, we had a really good team again this year. We, uh, we were first place in the West division in Saginaw when the season got paused in March and, you know, really felt like we had a team that, that could compete for, for an OHL championship. And, 
really a team that was built for Memorial Cup this year. When you think about, you know, trading for Ryan Suzuki, Carolina first rounder at the deadline, and then getting Bodie Wild back from Bridgeport um, halfway through the season, he's an Islanders second round pick on the back end, really um, was built to be a winner this year. And unfortunately, it didn't work out. You know, the season got canceled for, you know, obviously good reason in terms of the fact that there's a global pandemic going on. Um, I've been trying my best to keep busy. Uh, things have been pretty slow, though, as you can imagine, working in the hockey world or working in the, sp- working in the sports world, really. Um, so I've just been watching a lot of hockey. I'm glad that it's back, even though it's yes. it's in the bubble. And it's, you know, for me, it's it's not the best hockey I've ever seen in the world. And, and sometimes I just have to train myself that look like it's it's not going to be the same intensity as what you'd see in a normal western or eastern conference final uh but it's hockey nonetheless and and i've been able to enjoy it that way and now we're just getting tuned up and ready to go for hopefully the 2021 season uh starting on december 1st and at least we have a, a start date from the ohl which is a positive we we don't know too much beyond that but um certainly something to work for work toward and aspire to uh on december 1st for sure and and i know we want to get into a few other things but um you mentioned we have the start date in the ohl and stuff like that uh i'm curious and and you might be the person to ask i don't know if this has been uh widely talked about but have they done anything regarding eligibility or like you know because it's kind of weird in juniors like in any juniors but especially the ohl and major juniors like you age out and then what happens right so have they discussed that at all yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know how that's going to work out. I, I, I really felt bad for the 20-year-olds last year. I mean, there there's no worse feeling than than aging out of the league in, in general. Uh, I think turning turning the page on, on junior hockey is a big step for, for a lot of those guys. But the fact that they didn't know when they played their last game of junior hockey, uh, really, like, I just really felt bad for, for those guys. Um, Luckily, they've all landed on their feet. Uh, Cole Koski signed an American League deal, uh, as did DJ Buzdecker, and then Riley Webb decided to go to university. So um, all of them are moving on this year, which is good. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do with the 20-year-olds last year. It's a tough thing because you know they played most of the season, right? So you have to take that into account. Um, and then you know there's, there's so little roster spots for 20-year-olds in the OHL as it is, only two. After January, you could start the year with three, but you can only dress two. Um, it, it would be tough. It, it's just one of those years. I feel really bad for the guys, uh, but just some some bad luck. And uh, luckily, at least for our group of of twenty year olds from last year, they've all landed on their feet and they all got something cooking this year, which is really good. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and I, I'm. This is obviously the first time that anyone has ever been through this, but. Um, you know, I, I wanted to take it back to the, the beginning for you, Joey. Um, I'm always interested. We actually we had Ken Daniels on um, a few months ago and we asked him the same question. Um, what got you into wanting to become an announcer? Because, you know, it, it's every guy. It, I don't want to say every guy's a little like little kid dream when you're watching uh, a game or whatever. And you try to you try to go through and, and do a play by play. At least I did. And I was horrible at it. Um, so I wanted to ask you, like, what got you into wanting to become a play-by-play guy? Well, I think uh, it goes back to to being a young kid and, and growing up in the Detroit area when I did in, in the 90s and 
just how much success the Red Wings were having. Um, even casual fans were really locked into what the Red Wings were doing then. They were kind of the cool team in town to follow. Uh, luckily, my parents would have watched them even if they were in last place. My dad was a huge is a huge hockey guy, still is. Um, he appreciated he appreciates a more tougher brand of the game. So uh, every once in a while, I have to talk him off the ledge when it comes to the NHL today. But um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good place for that then, at least. Yeah, right? there. Yeah, so he he really enjoyed uh, the hockey then, and 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 enjoys it now. And and just watching games with him and, and my grandpa downstairs on the rabbit ears, and and you know, again, growing up in the Detroit area, we had hockey night in Canada on Saturday nights. So um, watching those games at Maple Leaf Gardens and and watching the games at the Joe growing up, uh, it was it was really fun, and and that's kind of what drew me into the game. Um, and then obviously, when you know at a certain age that you know, maybe you don't, maybe this is the end when it comes to uh, where your hockey playing career can go. And obviously I had that at a pretty young age, younger than most. And um, I just wanted to stay in the game. I really enjoy the sport. Um, I enjoy the people in the sport. I enjoy the relationships that come from, from, from being involved in it. It's kind of a uh, family atmosphere. You see the people each and every day and, and get to know them way beyond uh, on the ice. And so. Yeah, no, I know. I really uh, have appreciated. It's been 11 years already. Like, time flies, but wow. uh, it's been fun. And I got to I got to start at a really young age, which I was lucky. Um, a lot of a lot of people to to thank for that because obviously I made a lot of mistakes as a as an 18 year old calling games, and now as a 30 year old, I'm still making mistakes every game. But but obviously <laughs> trying to learn and and uh, having a little bit more experience under my belt when I do make those mistakes. Yeah. And Oh, sorry, Justin. I just wanted to, to ask one, one more spinoff question based off of this. Um, so growing up, you obviously, we listened to, you know, like Ken Daniels, Mickey Redmond, and then, you know, on the national broadcast, he had like, you know, Doc Emmerich and, and even in the ESPN days when the Stanley cup playoffs were on that, you had Gary Thorne, uh, and Bill Clement. And those guys were like my favorite hearing Gary Thorne's calls. Was there anyone in particular that you, that you like wanted to be like at all? Yeah, but not in terms of the way I call the game. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that when you get to a certain level, that has to become your own. You don't want to spend your whole career trying to sound like somebody else, but certainly yeah. I've, uh, I've, taken a few things in the way I call the game from from some people and I think the biggest influence in my career and the way I call the game is probably the Red Wings radio broadcaster Ken Cal. I think Ken does a fantastic job of capturing the excitement of the game. Obviously you have to describe the game uh, very well uh, on the radio so that people know what the heck you're talking about. And I think the chemistry that Ken Cal and Paul Woods have, I think they are the most underrated broadcasting pair in the National Hockey League. I think they do a fantastic job. And again, like I don't think Paul Woods gets talked enough, talked about nearly enough for his uh, contributions to the broadcast on the color side of things. Um, I think Ken Cal and Paul Woods on the radio side for the Wings uh, is really, you know, I, I grew up, I didn't have cable when I was really young. So I spent a lot of time listening to Red Wings games and watching Leafs games 
on Hockey Night in Canada. And then as I got a little older, watching the late game on Hockey Night in Canada as well. So that's kind of what I grew up with. And certainly when I think about the the influences I had as a kid listening and who I wanted to be like and sound like, Ken Cal on the radio side for the Wings is is kind of who I modeled my call after, which is pretty bizarre because I've had more than one people come up to me and say, you know, you sound just like Ken Daniels on the on the Red Wings TV broadcast. And that that wasn't really what I was going for. But but apparently we have a, a similar goal call or something like that. But it's it's interesting to see the, the little things that that you do that you you had to learn it from somewhere and, and you don't really think about it until you go back and you listen to Ken Cal now and you're like, wow, that, okay. So that's where I got that from little things like that. Yeah. Joey, it's those little things that you kind of pick up that you don't really notice. Uh, one thing you mentioned, you started um, broadcasting at a young age. So what was the first team that you started broadcasting with? Well, Dustin, I started in Flint, uh, Flint, Michigan with the Flint generals who were in the reincarnation of the international hockey league, which is really, just the United Hockey League, and they borrowed the name. Um, <laughs> it, it was uh, it, it was very interesting. It was fun. I was eighteen. I'm I'm lucky because it was kind of a mess off the ice, as most of those pro leagues were back then. Um, but I had a great time, and there was a really good mix of players on that team. Some of them with NHL experience. Uh, our coach had NHL experience, and I learned so much that year. I mean, again, I, I came in as an 18-year-old, and you know, you're expected to be professional and know how to act. And you know, I, I think at 18, that's kind of a lot to ask. And and so those guys did a did me a huge favor by you know, kind of being mentors for me. And, uh, well, I might as well mention it was Pascal Rayom was the captain of the team and he has Stanley Cup ring with New Jersey and Brian Smolinski was with that team, uh, as well. And he's played 700 plus games in the NHL and Jason Mazzotti, who's the goaltending coach in Carolina now is our head coach. And those guys really, you know, took the time and our general manager is Peter South and Peter's still scouting, uh, today. And I see him in the OHL rinks, and, and we just kind of sit back and laugh sometimes about some of the stuff that, that went on during that season and just kind of a circus off the ice. But um, again, I, I learned so much. It was a great experience. I don't know if I would have enjoyed it so much if, it, if I was asked to go through it today as opposed to being an 18-year-old. But nonetheless, it was, uh, it was a great experience to start, and I'm glad I went through it when I did. Yeah, that's awesome, Joey. So I, one more question. H- how did you manage to get that uh, play-by-play broadcasting job? Was it kind of just luck or did you know somebody? Just kind of curious how you, how you got there. Well, at the time I was going to uh, I was going to Specs Howard School of Broadcast Arts. It's in Southfield. It's in Michigan. Um, and I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I I didn't, obviously I wasn't playing anymore. And you know, I was thinking about going to college, thinking about trying to play low-level college, things like that. And I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, and so the one thing that I had a passion for was sports. And so I decided, well, let's see, if I can go to this broadcasting school and make something of it, it, it wasn't, you know, it was obviously it was, it costs a, a, a decent amount, but it wasn't as much as a four-year university, right? So I figured I can give it a shot. 
Uh, and if it doesn't work out, I can still go to four-year school and, and do something else. So I, I gave it a try and, and found out that I really enjoyed it. Uh, at the time, I, I just wanted to do the news. I, I wanted to be a sports reporter. And I had gone through the process. I graduated in July of 2009 from Specs Howard. And I was going into that off season. I, I didn't have a job. I wasn't planning on working in hockey. I was hoping to get an internship with a local Detroit television station or radio station. And instead, I ended up uh, getting a call from Specs Howard and my career services representative and said that there was an opportunity in, in Flint, Michigan to be their play-by-play broadcaster. And I was familiar with the league because of, I don't know if you guys remember this team or not, so you guys are pretty young, but the first NHL lockout in 2004, they had the Motor City Mechanics in oh, Frazier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful okay. Frazier. Yeah. <laughs> Joey, just, just so you know, I'm, I'm about the same age as you. Okay. I'm 29. All right. All right. Um, so- I'm, I'm a young boy like Tyler and Connor. Just- <laughs> a, young, a young pup is how I like to be. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are really aware of what was going on down there at the time and, and guys like Chelios and Hatcher and Sean Avery all playing <laughs> with that team and so, yep. so I went down to those games too. I was a young guy who was really, you know, missing hockey and missing the Red Wings at the time. And um, so that's when I became familiar with the Flint Generals. I, I didn't know who they were outside of seeing them play against the mechanics that year that I went down there. So I knew that they had a storied franchise. And after doing my research, I, I thought to myself, there's no way that I'm going to get this job. Like they're going into their 40th anniversary season. They've had legitimate play-by-play guys there before me and you know I have zero experience and I remember the general manager just I I didn't even have a demo tape or anything um and and he he sent me to one of their preseason games in Lapeer and just had me make a tape so I called the game start to finish and sent him my tape and yeah I got I I would say I got lucky on that one to be honest like I mean I know a little bit has to do with the talent obviously but at that point with that team and the history that they have to give, to be given that opportunity at such a young age, I would definitely say there was a little bit of luck involved, but you know, as they say about luck, it, it's what you do with the opportunity. So I, I like to think I, I made the most of it and, you know, here I am 11 years later and now it's, it's a great story to tell. Uh, it could have gone a lot differently because of that year in that league, like that league ended up folding at the end of the year. So um, could have been a much different story, but as Connor, I'm sure we're going to get into, uh, mm-hmm. there was a team that came into Flint that saved my career. Sure was. Yep. A great team. <laughs> <laughs> no, a star I, player. Star player. Yep. Yep. As I mentioned in the intro, a lot of stats that, <laughs> um, no, that's actually what I wanted to get into next. There's a, there was a lot to unfold there. Um, you know, with moving to Flint and, and calling a game, it actually, before I go into, uh, the Michigan Warriors, which was the team in Flint. When you call the game, I, I didn't know this story at all, but when you call the game, were you like recording it yourself and had to, to to send it out to somebody? And was that the first game that you ever actually recorded from start to finish? Or have you been practicing that? I mean, just, and I'm only asking because hockey just seems like an incredibly tough sport to, to call play-by-play or just even announce in general. And Tyler and I were talking a little bit before you jumped on it, just like out of the four major sports that so quick, so fast. And yeah, exactly quick. So like, how was that? Yeah, it was the first game I had ever called in that fashion. But what I had done to practice play-by-play before 
is basically take my video games at the time would have been NHL 08 or NHL 07 and basically turn off the commentary and just call play by play of the video game that I was playing. And and that's kind of how I cut my teeth in, in hockey play by play to begin with. I had no experience, none. I, I had, you know, I, again, I never had those opportunities. And so it was something that I had done as I got a little bit older. It's, it's something that I had an interest in. And as a joke, I would do it with my friends. And a couple of my <laughs> buddies were like, you know what, you're actually pretty good at this. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, that was kind of how I started it. So that was really my only experience going into doing that play by play, uh, of that preseason game. And so, yeah, they just, I had a tape recorder and away I went, I just hit, I hit record on the, on the tape recorder and I'm standing there in, so I'm at the Polar Palace, Connor, have you ever been to the Polar Palace in LaPierre? Oh yeah, sure. Okay. (laughs) So beautiful establishment. Yeah, exactly. So I'm standing it, I'm standing in that glass encaged area, like above the rink. So I have no, I can't even hear the game and there's, there's, there's people around and I'm calling the game like it's game seven of the Stanley Cup final and they're <laughs> looking at me like I'm nuts and I'm just having the time of my life and you know that was that was kind of how it started and that's when I knew how much I really you know enjoyed it and really wanted to do it I wouldn't have known before that I was just calling a video game but to be able to call it in real time and you know it's a it's a preseason game in the United League, so there was a few fights I called that night too, which was really fun. Um, it, it really I really got the itch then, and was really hoping that I'd get the opportunity. But again, like just knowing that I had no experience, I knew it was such a long shot, and to to get that opportunity, that's what I'm saying. Like it was there was definitely some luck involved, but I'm you know I'm I'm forever grateful for them taking a chance on me. No, that's incredible. And like you mentioned before, so it brought you to, uh, well, I guess I mentioned the beautiful uh, place of Flint, Michigan. If you want to call it a city, we can call it that. But um, so that's how, that's how you and I connected is in, <laughs> is in Flint, you, you know, calling games for the Michigan Warriors. Uh, how was that transition to calling a, well, I guess they were getting paid before. So they were, they were, you know, minor professionals at that point. And, and then going to like a, a junior, a, uh, a bunch of kids out there. And, uh, and then we can go into a little bit of momenta, but you know, you have to deal with, uh, the coach and GM and all these different things. How was that transition? And, and, and how was that whole experience? Well, as you can imagine going from, you know, working with professional hockey players to dealing with kids that are, your age was was a huge transition, but I'll tell you what, my first year working in the North American League with Flint, I was actually the same age as the overagers. So the 90s were the age out year. And so that made it interesting, obviously, <laughs> but also it was kind of my in with the group. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was it was, it was really hard to toe that line, obviously. And, and, and Mo, Mo was pretty strict on obviously, you know, the, the conversations and things that I had with the players. So it's obviously trying to find that, that, that fine line between being professional and and then, you know, the players letting me in. And I, and I think because I was that age that, 
that made it so much easier to connect with some of the guys that were on that team. And, you know, to be fair and, and, and honest, I give those guys that had to move from Marquette to Flint a lot of credit. You know, Kevin Gibson, Scott Henniger, Brad Chapman, Andrew Kolb. Like, these are guys that really, really loved it up there in Marquette. And they had a lot of success as a team up there. And, you know, they, they come down to Flint and they could have had a poor attitude about it. Um, they could have if they wanted to. Uh, new coach, all those things, you know, new systems to learn, all that. Uh, instead, we got this team together and we went to the Robertson Cup championship game. And that was one of the most fulfilling years of my career was that first year working in Flint. Um, it was really tough at the beginning. The fans, had, they didn't understand what the North American Hockey League was. They thought it was high school hockey. They thought it was a joke. Um, <laughs> we We spent all off season trying to convince clients and and stakeholders and and ticket holders and all that that this is legitimate junior hockey you know have you ever heard of ryan miller have you ever heard of brian rafalski you know have you ever heard of patrick kane you know these are all players that played in the north american league things like that you know we were just taking taking everybody to school that that first summer and that was a challenge that was the first and only time in my career that i've i've worked for a first year expansion or relocated team and I'm again I'm glad I went through that process I learned a lot um but the from from July when I took the job to I guess it would have been May when we were in the Robertson Cup championship game I mean what a year I I just remember being like I was young I was 20 years old and I just remember absolutely being physically drained after that game after the championship game against Fairbanks and we lost I just I can't imagine what the players are going through played 16 games that year in the playoffs more than any other team because we had to play two games just to get in Mm -hmm. and and then we ended up going to the championship game so what a year um that's one that that ranks pretty high up there for me in my career and it was uh and then again like just spending that time with with Mo and getting to know him over the years what a treat um I he he's the guy that I really you know in terms of working with coaches he's he's up there for me. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask next too. So like he, I don't know if he was different. First of all, I, you know I I respect Mo and and he's great. He has a hockey mind like no other. He's off his rocker, I still think. Um, but but I wanted to get I wanted to get your perspective and just like people in the hockey world, maybe not so much like our age group, right? But Mo Mantha is. It, people know him. That, that's somebody who played in the NHL. He's uh, he kind of roughed it up a little bit. Um, I, I still think that he takes that same attitude with with coaching as well, um, and then running an organization with him being the GM. And and I, I think was he owner at that point as well. I can't keep yeah. track of yeah, that. So like, yeah. So so I just wanted to get your perspective. Like, how would you describe Mo Mantha? Because I'm I'm at a loss for words every time I can. So I don't want to put you on the spot there, but I I can't describe him. <laughs> So the one thing I loved about working for Mo Mantha was you always knew where you stood. And I think as a player, Connor, you can, you can probably speak to this better than I can, but there's nothing more truer and honest than when you walk into work one day and you know exactly where you stand, good or bad. That's a, that's a great point, actually, because now me working in the professional world, I, I show up and I'm like, I don't even know if I'm doing a good job, to be honest. Like, I think I am. But then there was times that I would show up to practice 
and then Mo would get on the ice and be like, Lions, uh, what the heck? You're, you're awful at hockey. Like, you're, you're on the wire. And that, that, was the end of, that was the end of the conversation. You're on the ice, you're in practice, and you're figuring out that you could be traded at any minute. And, like, if you believe them, you know, that's fine. I didn't believe them. Um, but there was certainly a, a good amount of people that were traded. So, you know, that, that's a good point. Like, you get there, you know you played bad or, or – you did it. You did something that wasn't great, and and he would let you know instantly. And and when I say instantly, I mean like in the locker room. You didn't touch your jersey; it's still on. Or if he didn't see you at that point, and because he was too disgusted of going in the locker room, he'd let you know when you walked on the bus. <laughs> I'm sure you heard some of those as as players were walking on the bus of uh, of oh, most yeah. input. The bus was a scary place. Extremely scary. Yeah, don't show your phone lights. Wait, scary. Connor. Yeah. Was was Joey? Did Joey call the game where you got uh, you got like a couple game suspension for doing what Mo told you guys to do is be more tough and and uh, didn't you slash a guy and like break his stick and then just fight him from there? Yeah. So so what happened? And Joey, I don't know. Did you were you at the game where I got suspended for it was seven games? I want to say at uh, at Johnstown. Um, and that was my last year, so uh, 2014-ish, right around no, there? No, no, I was in Odessa. I was only with you for one year. And that's, and that's what I thought, so I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't remember. But, I mean, the, the story behind this, and I've said it before, so I'll go through quickly, but he, uh, we were getting worked pretty good like for multiple games, and Mo came on the ice one time, and, uh, and we were having a little like uh, blue line scrimmage, like five-on-five. He thought we were being soft, so we took a stick and, and broke it. Uh, like he lined up as a winger and, and said, "Hey, if a guy touches your feet," and he said it with much, you know, more sure. anger in his voice. If a guy <laughs> touches your feet and tries to slash you, you take your stick and you fucking break it over their stick. Like that was his words. So, so I I go out there, and, and there was a much, you know, it was a terrible practice. Like I think we probably had a couple fights that practice. I don't know. Um, we go out to we go out to Johnstown, and a guy touches my skate, and and like. I didn't want to be soft because he was immediately looking for that. So I, I took my stick and, and slashed the guy and we went at it, but we, it was before the game started. So <laughs> <laughs> like we, they didn't even drop the puck. Connor, you, you knew at that point you had a decision to make. If Absolutely. you didn't, if you didn't slash this guy's stick or slash your stick over his head, you probably weren't playing the rest of the night. Absolutely. So, and, and that's how I know that, you know, Mo <laughs> it's because it's like, okay, do I, do I get kicked out and get suspended, but have an okay bus ride back for nine hours? Or <laughs> do I do I not do anything and then not play the rest of the game and then get bag skated when we get back? <laughs> yeah, so. and you know what? I I know today today's player might not react well to that to those type of, of disciplinary tools that, that Mo would use and I think he got better as he, as the time went on. You know, I I was actually lucky enough to have him in Saginaw for a couple of months. He was an in, he was our interim coach uh, in 2015-16 season, my first year there. And just to go back and and to tell a story about Mo, and and again, just going back to what I talked about with with always knowing where you stand. There was a situation where. Uh, the team didn't skate in the morning one day before a game. And I think it was the year before you got there, Connor. But, um, you know, so I hadn't got, I hadn't talked to any players or anything for intermissions or anything like that. So I was hoping to grab a guy, at least one, uh, after they, you know, got their gitch on, uh, probably about 5.15, 5.30, you know, that type of thing. And 
you know, that was always available to me. Uh, it's, it's not as if I, you know, couldn't, couldn't go downstairs or couldn't go in the room. You know, I was around, um, quite often. So I was just down there. And, and so the player I asked for was, he was still in a suit and he's like, I'll come out. Uh, I just got, I just want to put my getch on. I was like, okay, no problem. So I'm standing downstairs waiting. And one of our players came by and we were chatting and it wasn't on the record or anything. It wasn't an interview, but we were chatting about the game. I think we were talking about the team we were playing that night. And, uh, and apparently it, you know, the conversation was, was loud enough to where Mo could hear, you know, that we were having a conversation, uh, in his office and, and he came out and he was roaring. I mean, he tore a strip off me the best that I've felt in, in the, in the three years I worked there in Flint and just told me not to come down there and didn't say when I could come back. Just you're no, done. That, that was it. I, I know exactly the kind of thing. Like he would just rip you, say something that like yeah for instance don't come on the bus after a game like that would be that would be his like like you're at an away game and he'd be like i wouldn't bother taking off your skates don't even come on the bus and like i'm like do i i can't tell if you're serious like should i come on the bus or not like do i need to find another ride i'm in new york right now (laughs) but here here's the thing though with that being said and i i i left i walked away and i went upstairs and i called the game and i improvised i didn't have a player on that night i just you know, just talk through it and all that stuff. And then I, next day, uh, I think the team was skating in the morning that day. And so I was, I was in the office early and, you know, who comes walking into the office, Mo comes walking in, he's got four coffees and a Tim, a Tim Hortons carrying four coffees, of course, puts a, puts a coffee on my desk, sits down and we're laughing, telling jokes. Yep. Now <laughs> that's, that to me like I, I love that because what's in the past is in the past, and yeah, sometimes, on it. yeah, like sometimes things get a little heated. I mean, we spend a lot of time with each other in the hockey season, and th- and and who knows what Mo was dealing with that night. I don't think it was the conversation I was having with the player that set him Not off. At all. Yep. But <laughs> but he might have been, you know, again, you know, he might have <laughs> he might have had a trade that didn't work out, or he might, you know, a million things could have been the reason why he was pissed off. If nobody um, wanted to pick me up off the wire. That, that's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I just wore it that night, and that happens. Um, but what I liked about Mo is that the next day was forgotten. He didn't uh, he didn't hold a grudge. And I think to be a successful coach, uh, I think you have to be able to put the past in the past and and continuously, especially players, not so much staff, but especially players, you have to continuously keep giving players a chance to earn your trust back. And I think that's what Mo does better than most coaches that I've worked with uh, in my, uh, in my time with him was, and then, and then by the time he got to Saginaw in 2015, 16, it was easy. I mean, I could have walked in his office at any time and, and had 20 minutes of his time if I wanted it, because we had been through, uh, the back and forth already working together for three years. And, right. and, um, you know, it was, it was really nice to, even though it only lasted a couple months, it was really nice to get the opportunity to work with him again. And I think he's retired now. Um, and you know, I wish him all the best. He's earned it. He's earned it. The guy's been around forever. Jeez, and yeah. <laughs> it, it just goes to show you, like, I mean, this is a guy who worked in the North American league for, you know, how many years, you know, he didn't have to do that if he didn't want to, but he loves the game and he loves the, he loves the junior level. He loves the kids and yeah, he's hard. He's hard ass sometimes, but as Connor will tell you, like 
he's a great teacher too of the game and he knows the game inside and out yeah and I'll, I'll second that i won't spend too long on it but man he uh he knows hockey unlike anybody i've i've really met before i mean he's been around the game forever played in the nhl and 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 like you mentioned he's he had his money he doesn't need to be owning teams and and like teaching stubborn 17 year olds how to play hockey but um but he did it and uh and and boy i get there's some stories behind it that probably aren't for the airwaves here but um <laughs> it, was, it was funny it was it was a good time Wait, so so Joey, I, I had a, a question for you. So you went from you went from you know I, calling some games for uh, for some plugs like Connor, and then you moved up into your into the OHL, and we're calling games for for Saginaw. So what landed you in Saginaw? How did you get that? How did you get that gig? Same talent, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Same I, in 2013, I got an opportunity. Uh, to stay in the North American League, but <clears throat> excuse me, sorry guys, to uh, stay in the North American League, but go down to Odessa to work for the Jackalopes, and um, it's a team that had mightily struggled. I mean, that's well documented. Um, they had six wins the year before I went down there, but they also had a goaltender named Connor Halibuck, who you might have heard of him. Have uh, heard of him? Has done some. He's done some nice things in his career in the NHL. Um, but so, so I, I was like, you know what, it's a really good opportunity to go down there. Um, we were on the radio, which we weren't on the radio anymore in Flint or on an FM station down there in Odessa. And, um, I don't know, Connor, if you ever got, you got the chance to play in Alaska and Wenatchee, didn't you? Uh, it was, uh, Wenatchee. Yeah. Alaska and Wenatchee. So Fairbanks and uh, Wenatchee. Yep. Yeah. So you know that, that things are ratcheted up a little bit more over there than it is in the North division. You're playing in community ranks at the North division level. Yeah. Um, ridiculous where you're going there and you got like a, uh, a, a full, you know, sold out 5,000 people and you walk on the ice and you're getting popcorn and beer thrown at you on the oh, West Coast. Fairbanks. What, yeah. what an atmosphere. It, it's insane. It's literally insane. Like I, I, we went out there, I didn't even touch the ice yet. I'm soaking wet, and I'm like, what the hell happened? Oh, somebody poured their entire $12 beer on my head. <laughs> why are you doing that? <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, that, I love it, though. It's it's awesome. Like, you go out there, and that's kind of why you want to play junior hockey. So it's great. <laughs> yeah, and we and, and that was every night in the in the North American League South Division. I mean, you you got Corpus Christi is getting five a night. You got Amarillo, who's a, it's a smaller building, but they're packing it. Um, you got so much money down there. Man, yeah. Cool. yeah the, they fly to places sometimes. It's just incredible. Yeah. That, that My first year down there in Odessa, I flew to the showcase. I couldn't believe it because when I was with the Warriors, I, I was, I used to have to ride the bus everywhere. Like I even rode to the, I even rode the bus to Topeka, Kansas when we played the national championship game. And Connor, here we are. I was going to say, what do, you, what, do you, what do you mean you rode the bus? We had to like all pedal to get the bus going. <laughs> <laughs> we were all a part of those wheels turning. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the best. Uh, it was. <laughs> believe me, it was a standard coach bus, and uh, if the weather was real cold, I mean, I can remember a few nights coming back from Janesville, and they had to leave that thing running for two straight days, or they wouldn't have been mm-hmm. able to get it started. <laughs> I also, I also yep. remember a, a day where we. Uh, we had a a day trip to Jamestown, New York, 
That's my. I, I think you're playing for us. I, I think I already know what you're going to say, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we had a day trip to Jamestown, New York, 7 a.m. bus on a game day, and the bus breaks down in Ohio. Yep, we're at the turnpike, or, or we're on the turnpike, and have to yeah. go to the rest stop, right? <laughs> and we're we're all sitting there, like outside, waiting for a bus to pick us up. Like we're like an hour late to the game. Mo tells us to start doing our stretches on the bus. <laughs> I'm like, well, this isn't the key to success. I mean, when you go on a whiteboard and write, "Hey, three three keys to uh, to win tonight's game," stretching on a, bu- a bus with uh, a bunch one. of other people is is not number one. I'll tell you that, what, for free. Connor. You never got your bus legs out on a bus before. <laughs> I've got them too many times out on a bus trip. That's the issue. What a joke! Oh my god. So yeah, those just little things like that. That you know. And then in the in the south, like you said, there's just a little bit more money. Um, I'm not going to say that the, the I don't think it was the talent level that was higher, but the the games were a lot more intense. There was legitimate rivalries down there. Um, it was I, I won't lie to you. It was a different style of game catered to the south, uh, the fans in the south. There was, party. Yeah, there was a lot more fights. There's a lot more guys getting doused with beer. Um, <laughs> and I, I mean, we didn't win a whole lot, but I had some fun down there. It was, it was kind of unique to call games in a, in a different style of market that way that, you know, obviously hockey wasn't top of mind. It was football and everything else. And it was pretty unique to try to sell the game in, in that market. And, you know, it might've helped if we mixed in a couple more wins, but you know, at the end of the day, I think the fans that did show up were pretty entertained. Absolutely. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, so I believe I think Connor was was telling me, or actually, we we know that Biz played for um, for the Saginaw Spirit back in the day. Did you ever meet? Biz? Yeah, I mean, I I, I saw, and sorry, this is a, I was kind of telling Tyler you, you jumped on before, but um, I, I saw a picture of of you and Biz standing next to each other, and, mm-hmm. and he seems like an absolute wild card at all times, just like always always a wild card. Uh, so I, I just am curious, and I know hockey fans in general, because he's probably, surprisingly, is probably one of the well, most well-known people in the hockey world. Like, how how is he, and, and how did that all go down? Was Were you guys calling a game together, calling a period? What happened? Yeah, so we did the second period of, uh, of a Saginaw-Flint game on Valentine's Day. He came in. Um, we wanted to have a spit and chicklets night. Uh, it didn't work out. Obviously, you're asking three guys well actually two guys i know whitney's married and biz had a, has a girlfriend you're asking two guys to spend their valentine's days in saginaw michigan that's a tough sell um <laughs> but but biz was awesome about it um at the time pink whitney was just coming out so we had like a pink whitney tasting night where we Beautiful. did like free tastings and at the arena and it, it really went all over big with our fans you know i Biz played here a long time ago, but he wore the C uh, before he got traded to Owen Sound. And um, he was here at a time where, you know, the the team was just kind of getting their feet underneath him. Uh, didn't didn't win a whole lot when he was here, but uh, he, he remembers his time here fondly because when the OHL came here to Saginaw, you know, uh, a lot of pro hockey teams have tried it here and it didn't work previous to when Junior came in. And credit to the Saginaw Spirit, you know, this team's been here since 2002, and they have a great following. And certainly, especially those first couple of years when it was brand new, um, he played in front of sellout crowds 
quite often here in Saginaw. So even though there wasn't a lot of winning involved, he has some great memories of, of playing here and, and, you know, it just his experience. And he was able to share some of that with us on the broadcast. I got him to tell me a couple stories off the air, which we couldn't repeat on the air, which was awesome. <laughs> and then uh, he told a couple stories that we could tell on the air, which was cool. He's just a good dude. I mean, yeah, he, he's a little wild. Like he's actually, I think he's toned down quite a bit though. Um, you know, obviously he's got his gig in broadcasting there with the Arizona Coyotes on the radio. And now he's doing some television as well as not to mention is uh, he's got like one of the biggest pod- podcasts in the world and spitting chiclets. It's, it's awesome. So I'm really glad that that's worked out. And, um, he's just a super dude, a big personality on him. And it was really fun to uh, spend some time with him in the booth. He dropped my phone, he dropped my <laughs> phone on the floor and almost like, almost cracked it and then made oh, a joke. Oh, he wasn't going to pay for it. No, not a no. chance. <laughs> he had his hands in his pockets already, like before I used it. I wasn't Trying to play it off. Yeah, my guy. <laughs> he tucked his arms back to his chest, like alligator arms already, but uh, <laughs> no, he's he's a good dude and he, he was really funny and he was great with our fans. He signed autographs before the game and yeah, just couldn't have been nicer. Really good experience. And then we got him the we got him on the ice. Um, we made him like a denim jacket, which he loved. Like we put his name on the back of a denim jacket because that's kind of his thing. And um, we got him on the ice playing Scoro. Um, and then uh, he told he, he we gave him a mic, which might have been a mistake because he told one of our fans to shove it up their hoop, which is fine. <laughs> um, which is part of the shtick, but yeah, that was funny. It was just a great night, man. I really enjoyed it. And obviously having uh, him on the broadcast was a highlight. Um, it was just fun and got to tell some good stories. Yeah, I, I, I can absolutely see why that would be kind of entertaining. Hanging out with Biz, it's a lot better than Connor and Tyler, to say the least. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm having some fun here, guys. Don't yeah. sell yourself short. I've enjoyed the fun uh, stories. <laughs> No, but Joey, uh, talking about Saginaw, uh, I kind of want to kick it over to Cole Patrafetti. Uh, what, what do you think he's going to bring Perfetti. to Pos- Perfetti. Excuse me, Perfetti. Thank you, boys. Uh, what do you think he's going to bring to the Wings, or you know, possibly another team? I'm hoping the Wings, Jesus. Right. Well, the thing that that Cole Perfetti brings is is the ability to make. Boy, it, I mean, there's so many things, but. I think the thing that stands out with Cole Perfetti is his vision and his ability to know where the puck or the play is going well before it goes there. And I think that's something that, you know, we talk a lot about what strengths prospects have and will it translate to the NHL level. I don't think that's something that you can worry about. Like, I think that's something you're born with. And if you have the ability to do it at the OHL level, which sometimes, in my opinion, the OHL level, because it's played by junior age players and they're not all as polished as what you'd see at the NHL level, it has a tendency to be a little bit more spontaneous than the NHL would be. So if you're able to dissect a play before it happens in the OHL, I'm going to go out on a limb and say as long as you can keep up you know, mentally and physically you can do it at the NHL level. In fact, it should be a little bit easier given the talent level of the players on the ice. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that 
when you're when you're that talented, and I'm talking about like when you're when you're drafted in in the first round of the NHL. I mean, uh, let's go there. The better players you play with, the better you're going to be. I mean, there's some players that that make you better, and then there's some players that are just so good that I'm going to be better if I have better talent around me. Yeah, and, 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 and I think yeah. that he's that guy. To be fair, Connor, you know, that was going to be a little bit of a question mark when the Spirit went out and got Ryan Suzuki, too, because, you know, we got Ryan to be a top-line center, and, and that gave us the flexibility of moving Cole over to the wing where he could focus a little bit more on scoring uh, than, 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 you know, checking the puck as a centerman. And, you know, we were I think there was a little bit of concern about, you know, is there enough puck to go around on that line with Suzuki and, and Perfetti, with both guys trying to make plays? And, you know, like you said, there's players that make other players better. Um, in this case, I think that they each made each other better and they each challenged each other to be better in areas where they could be a little bit better. Um, and for Cole, it was, you know, obviously the, the knock on Cole has been his foot speed uh, going into this draft. And and the knock on Ryan Suzuki was is that sometimes sometimes he was going a little bit too fast. You know, he was he was doing he was a little bit ahead of the play in terms of uh, his physical speed. So you know, Perfetti got him to slow down, and Suzuki got him to kind of speed up again his game a little bit. And it was a perfect perfect symphony. Like, yeah, evening out. Yeah, no, that, that could worked incre- out better. Yeah, no, for sure. That that's incredible. I mean. So I mean, you have two guys that are just absolutely they're, they're studs, right? And I'm and the reason I'm bringing Perfetti up uh, now, I mean, and I'll get your opinion on this too, as much as you can comment. But I mean, like, so Wings fan here, guilty, right? I think all three of us are, and then and Joey, I think you know, growing up in Michigan, probably are as well. But uh, it, it, do you think he, he is he the right fit for the Wings? To, is he going to is he going to land there? And then if so. Is he a winger or is he a center? I mean, I'm, I feel like he has a couple different fits there, and he can be he can be both. I just want to get you know from you. You've probably watched him more than than almost anybody, right? So I want to get your opinion on that. Well, I think you know. I think if you're a, uh, I think if you're a player that has God given talent, you're a fit for the Red Wings right now because that's <laughs> that's where they lie. If, if you can skate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, not to be overly critical of the organization, but right now they're lacking talent in all three areas of the ice, which is really you know, more. you're you're up against it when you're twenty plus points behind the second worst team in the league. Um, <laughs> and I yeah. get the fourth bet pick. <laughs> so, I mean, look at your goal differential last year. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, you you just need talent in special areas of the ice. So yes, Cole Perfetti is a fit obviously that way then you look at the fact that uh you know jimmy devolano who is obviously well tied in with the detroit red wings organization is a part owner of the saginaw spirit and then the connection that you know cole perfetti has with the red wings in terms of you know almost every game you see one of sean horkoff or chris draper guys in the development department of the red wings hockey staff at spirit games you know obviously you could argue they're not there just to watch cole perfetti but then again wouldn't be surprised if they're there to you know watch cole perfetti so 100 yeah um i i think that it makes a lot of sense for cole to go at number four to detroit but with ottawa picking at three and five it makes things really interesting Gary, yeah. um especially detroit. with with 
like Tim Stutzla being connected to LA now at number two more than more now than we had ever heard heading into the draft. Yeah, you're um, hearing if, him creep up more and more. Yeah, if if things change there, if Stutzla goes two and Byfield goes three, I don't know if that changes the Red Wings mentality in terms of who they're picking. But I think we all agree that they could use another puck moving defenseman as a prospect and Jamie Drysdale would fit, you know, that or Jay, I, I guess Jake Sanderson is more of a physical physical specimen than Drysdale. Mm-hmm. I think Drysdale would be a little bit better fit. Um, Tyler, you were just talking about that. Yeah. yeah. So, well, so so the reason we were discussing before you hopped on, Joey, that um, in my in my own opinion, just based off of what what Eisman did last year for for the draft, it was very defense heavy. So I'm not going to say that. He's going to be very offense heavy on this one. I think. I, I just think that for a, for a, a first round pick, I think he's going to want to go more towards getting a forward. But then again, it's Stevie Y. You have no idea. That's just how my brain works. Is that last year was very defense heavy. Um, maybe he he wants an offensive weapon. But either way, I don't think it would be a real. I, I don't. I don't think it would be a bad pick uh, getting Drysdale or. Perfetti, uh, I wanted to ask you a question though, and, and maybe a little tougher one. So, um, I know I know that you've watched Cole Perfetti a lot, and you've you probably said a lot of great things about him. If you could pick out one thing that he needs to work on, one thing that maybe isn't his strongest uh, in, in his in his bag, what would you say that would be? Well. I- yeah, the elephant in the room with Cole Perfetti had been the skating, you know, was the foot speed. Um, but then again, that's, you know, red line to red line speed. That's not really, you know, quick steps and agility and edge work. I think I think all those things that for him are above average given his age. It's just the red line, to, you know, the goal line to goal line speed is not where you know, Stutzler, Raymond, or Byfield is yet. But that's what he's been working on this summer. That's what I'm going to ask. He's 5'11", yeah. 180 pounds right now. He's put on a little bit of weight. He's got a little bit bigger center of gravity now. His lower body has worked out his legs. He's been off his training. He's been on the track. You know, he's been working on his, his explosiveness, his foot speed. If he's answered that criticism, there is not a weak spot in Cole Perfetti's game. No, I mean I'm I'm happy to hear that. I say, uh, and I know that he's got he's got centermen written all over him for the uh, probably his extended future. But I mean, it, it wouldn't hurt for a fan's basis to throw him on a line with Larkin, let him be super fast, have him bring him up to speed a little bit as far yeah. as. Strictly and Connor, speed I, and it's men- mentality there, right? So I, I think he knows that. I think he well, I think he wants that. First of all, I think he wants to be a centerman, um, and I think he knows that the only way he's going to play center at the at the NHL level is one, he's got to be quicker. He's got to be quicker goal line to goal line because you're going to have to play 200 feet if you're going to be a center in the NHL. One, two, he's he's putting on that that you know when you put on a little bit more weight in your lower body. You're better on faceoffs. You have more leverage. You can, you know, you can do these things. I think he's preparing himself to be a center if the team that drafts him needs him to be a center. Yep, agreed. Oh, 
think Dustin's on mute right now. Uh, well, anyway, I was gonna I was gonna finish you off, uh, Joey, and and I didn't want to ask. You know, there was there was a question earlier that I didn't answer. Somebody oh. asked me how I got the Saginaw, and I answered how I got the Odessa. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think that was Tyler. Um, I, I could talk about Cole Perfetti all day long, but I want to hear how, how you got to Saginaw as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel, I was like, man, I don't even think I answered the original question. Um, it was, it was basically, you know, we went through a lot of changes in Odessa. I was there at an interesting time, you know, obviously Connor, you were around, you, you, you saw the North American league. Um, the Jackalopes didn't have a whole lot of success. <laughs> uh, they really haven't. By and large, I mean they're still in the league, but they still haven't had any success, which is a little bit mind-boggling to me. But um, especially with the way they treat their players and and everything like that, like it was, I'm not gonna lie, like it was a really good experience in Odessa, other than basically losing every single night. (laughs) Other than if you can get over that, it was a great experience, and and I don't get it because we had some talent, and we've had we had some players come through. Uh, it just, for whatever reason, it didn't work there, but, um, gone through some coaches and, and gone through some general managers. I think it was three general managers and two coaches in two years. And, and the front office had started to turn over given that change in leadership. And by the end of the second year, I was the only person left from, from the year that I had been hired. And the guy who hired me was no longer there. And it just, it was time. It was one of those things where it was like, uh, you know, you don't even, like, you don't have to say it. I already know type <laughs> yep. thing. Um, so yeah, it was, it was basically, you know, by the end of the year, I think we knew, you know, I was the only one left from, from a regime that had gone sour and, you know, it was just, it was time. And those, and those things happen. If you stay in hockey long enough, you'll, everyone's a part of it. For sure. Yeah. But that's, how I, that's how I got the Saginaw. You know, I, I, I was off for, two months and I didn't know like I thought maybe I was done I didn't know you know I, I was actually taught Billy McCult was working in Tri-City at the time and you know things were progressing a little bit there uh but I really didn't want to move to Kearney Nebraska um so I I was like ah you know I don't know kind of kicking tires and some other things and um and then Saginaw came open and interviewed for it and it was uh it was a really good process it was late I, I think i started there the second week in august and we dropped the puck at the end of september but um no and that's that's when i found out that i like i really wanted to do it because you in june it's easy to say ah well you know whatever i'll just do something else and then july comes and you really get the itch and then you start to get nervous because you know you don't have a job and then that's that's when you find out you know that's that you really want to do it. And, you know, I was lucky that the guy who was here, he'd been here for seven years, but he was from Sarnia and their, their play-by-play job opened on the radio and, and he decided to move back home. So that's what created the opportunity in the first place. And, you know, it's been crazy. Five years goes by fast, but I've, I've had a blast here working in the OHL. No, that's, that, that's great. And that does make sense about moving into to that, that position, especially from, from Odessa and, and, and especially that guy moving back to, back home. I mean, it's funny how things work out like that. Yeah, no, I mean, that, it's all about timing in this business. I mean, a lot of people say it's, it's, it's who, you know, and that's fine. But you know, if, if it's, it could be who, you know, you can know everybody, but if the timing is right and there's no job, then, then there's no job. So, um, certainly, obviously networking is 
is a big part of it. And, and, but right place, right time is, is essential in, in getting these opportunities too. For sure. Well, Hey man, I, I really appreciate that. You, you know, you, you, you took an hour of your time and, and talked some hockey with us. And I got to ask what <laughs> we're catching you late in the, uh, in the NHL playoffs. So I'm going to make it easy for you. We, we've talked to some other people throughout the, the past couple of weeks and couple of months about who their, uh, their Stanley cup winner is going to be, but I got to get, before you go, I got to hear your pick. Uh, you only get what? Three, three, three choices. Teams? Yeah. You only got three teams to choose from now. So <laughs> your odds are looking okay. I know <laughs> this. Um, you know, I love, I, I just love Dallas as a team. They, they play my kind of hockey. I love Jamie Ben. Uh, I love their D puck moving D. I love Lindell. Love Klinenberg. Love those guys over there. And I'm worried about because I think this Islander Tampa series is going to end up going seven. Um, so I'm worried about Dallas sitting on the rear end for the next week. But um, I'm going to take Dallas because I think they're rolling. And I think they're just oozing confidence beating Vegas, who, in my opinion, is clearly the better team and laid an egg in that yeah. series. Don't get Dustin oh, yeah. going. He's a huge, uh, huge Vegas fan. But I think it's the classic rust versus rust, right? And, and I think we're going to figure out which one uh, prevails. Yeah, Hudobin's the X factor. Like, obviously, you say that it's easy to say the goaltending is like the X factor, but this guy, more than anything, I mean, he's had a tendency over his career to go real hot, cold, especially as being a backup most of his career. Like, that's why he's never been a starter. Um, yeah. Is this rest going to throw off his game? That's my biggest concern. Other than that, I think Dallas wins it. I think Tampa's pretty banged up. Obviously, Hedman's been playing hurt. Points playing like every other game he's so hurt. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Tampa's banged up. And I think Dallas physically is going to wear him down. No, I, I, I'm with you. I won't say I agree yet, just because I, I never, I, I never make a decision. I kind of he's on the, the fence. I, I always stay on the fence. That way, I'm right every time, especially when things are getting recorded. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Joey, I really appreciate you coming on. It, it was great catching up with you, and uh, I, I love the hockey talk. And we'll definitely have to have you on when the season gets started again. That'll be great to talk tomorrow with Joe Hockey. All right, boys. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Joey. Thanks, Joey. You know what time it is. You done goofed. Joey, thank you so much for coming on. Really enjoyed your stories about Connor. Because anytime I hear a story about Connor, that's not from him. It's always better. It's just a true story. I was wondering where that was going. But yeah, that's true, I guess. That works. <laughs> hey, you never know with me. But no, Connor, Todd, what do you think of him? Uh, I well, I'll. I know I touched on it before, so Tyler, I'll let, I'll let you talk about him. But I think that uh, he's much better at at explaining. Uh, you can tell, like his profession, right? Like, he, oh yeah, he's a talker, and he can tell the stories. And you mentioned that, like, you know, different stories about me or hockey or whatever. He he tells it much better than we could or I could. I mean, um, you can just tell this is what he does and what he loves. So I, I liked him. I thought he's he's great coming on. I hope to have him on back when the OHL kicks up again and start talking about some, some prospects. Oh, for sure. No, I, um, this is ridiculous guys. I'm literally underneath a robe, uh, recording because Dustin said my audio was so bad before, 
But uh, I, I'm like trying to like have a serious conversation. It's hard. But <laughs> so, no, I, I really enjoyed the fact that he uh, he basically told us a little bit more in depth about Cole Perfetti, who is, you know, like I said, more than likely the candidate that Steve Eisman is going to pick. Um, and I think that it's just it's cool that he's been doing this this gig now for for how long did he say 10 years he's been in it now? I think 11. Which, yeah, which is insane. It's like, it's like I'm always interested into how someone gets into that. And, and we, we talked about that, you know, someone had to give him a shot. Um, yeah. And that, that, that original story though, like, oh, I, know. <laughs> I didn't know that and, and nor should I. Right. But like listening to him, he was 18, I can just imagine call. somebody. Yeah. But I can just imagine somebody trying out, but like going to a game and recording themselves, calling a game. While there's other fans and stuff listening to, it. I, yeah, I just, I can just sit, imagine sitting there, watching, you know, being a fan of the game, just in a random rink, and then there's like a guy ten feet away from me with his headphones on recording a game. Like, wow, this guy really loves hockey that he needs to record to play it back later to listen to the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah, he, um, it's just the same as uh, as Ken Daniels, right? I mean, both great interviews. But they're both announcers, man. And you ask them one question, and the, and they'll talk forever, which is great. They they explain they they're such great storytellers, and I guess detail oriented, a hundred percent. And and that's that's part of their job, right? I mean, they have to fill dead air. <laughs> yeah, right. Especially in uh, in hockey. I mean, there, there's other sports like baseball, for instance. You mentioned dead air, but I mean hockey as far as the the detailed part. There, it's such a fast moving game, and and man, you you really have to be able to, you know, tell a person what how, what's going on in a game as if they weren't there watching the game. And I would think that would be the hardest thing in the world to do. So so kudos to the the hockey announcers and the play by play guys because that job just seems incredibly hard. Agreed. It's definitely not easy. Like I don't, especially being able to get all the players' names right. Oh my gosh! While, while you're announcing. <laughs> Yeah, no, no chance. Yeah, I mean, there's not a, there, there are some times where I know that I could do a little bit better than like Pierre, but I feel like everyone has that opinion. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's true. It's true. He might be getting some head coaching looks. Who knows? That I feel like that's it. That's the thing. Every single I thought it was GM looks gonna, or GM. Yep, yeah, right. I saw the the latest one was uh, what I think I saw Arizona, but they might even did they hire somebody. I can't. I can't remember if they even. I think they did. I saw Pierre. I mean, yeah, I thought he did too. And that's 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 really uh, the depths of my brain trying to figure out where I read that somewhere on Twitter or something. So I could be off base there, but I just remember seeing Pierre's name attached. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, boys. Any any other news before we uh, before we end the Caden Fulcher episode number thirty six? I've got nothing other than Dallas and six. Tyler, Connor. Tampa and seven. Tampa and seven. But, you know, Dallas is good too, right? Yeah. Shut oh, up, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, boys. Let's get the puck out of here. Tune in next week. <laughs> yeah. Later.